You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. College sports in the Dakotas are almost back, and when they return, the place to go for the best coverage is Midco SN. From the NCHC pod in Omaha to Summit League hoops and Missouri Valley football, the teams you care about and the games you need to see are all on Midco Sports Network. Check out MidcoSN.com for live broadcast schedule updates. That's Midco SN. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast. Taping this on a Tuesday morning, November the 10th. Alex Seinert, Build Shaves. You know, it's been a couple of weeks, Bill, since we potted last. Pretty boring couple weeks, really, since late October when we got together last time. Nothing in the national news happening. Pretty ho-hum, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good to see you, as always, Alex. Um, yeah, you know, it just uh, – it, it probably uh, – is part of the 2020 calendar year that we've all been living. And, uh, you know, it just seems like every day literally is a new day with new opportunities that keep coming across our desks. And uh, it feels like once you feel like a goal post has been set, it's probably not set with cement. It's probably set with maybe like quicksand. Mm. I was going to say jello. Quicksand's probably better. That's a probably better analogy for this year. <laughs> things keep- the very first thing I thought of was like silly putty for some <laughs> reason. And, and, uh, but but it, it was something that is certainly uh, movable mm-hmm. is, uh, is where we're at. And, you know, I, we thought that potting this week made sense based on some information that had come out from, from two of our leagues. And so I think we can discuss that. But I think uh, I, like – 2020 is a complete qualifier. We'll put qualifiers on it. (laughs) That's well said. And that's a great transition into the meat of our conversation today, the release of the schedule from the Summit League regarding fall sports in the spring and the release of the schedule for the NCHC, both in pod form in Omaha in December and then for the second half of the season. So as you said, even though we have a schedule, as we've seen from every major professional sport and collegiate sport and high school sport, quite frankly, this year, things have a tendency to get changed. But right now, there's a lot of optimism about being able to get seasons underway. We now can see what the picture might look like. Uh, let's let's start with the Summit League stuff because that came out a little bit earlier. Fall sports moving to the spring. We, we had seen Missouri Valley football schedules come out a couple of weeks ago. This really pertains to, for UND at least, volleyball and women's soccer. And much like we've seen with basketball as well, with you know two games on back-to-back days or two games in a weekend at the same site against the same team. Not surprisingly, volleyball and soccer picked up basically the same thread, reducing travel. Obviously, non-conference is going to be difficult, so both of these sports decided, let's give our kids as many games as possible, make it really competitive. It's an exciting schedule, really, for both volleyball and soccer when you look at it, Bill. It's going to be a lot of fun this spring, even if it's a little bit out of the ordinary. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex. That was the intention. Uh, I think there's, we've probably said it on the pod before, but there's three things that um, you've got to figure out. Obviously, the schedule, which then leads to what are the protocols that you have to follow? Certainly, not only testing, but getting back the results before then you travel. And so I think I'm probably a broken record to some degree, having said that numerous times, but that is an accurate statement is, you know, we've got to figure that out. And the more you can minimize variables, the better off you are. And I see that, I think that's what you're seeing with these schedules. 
for volleyball. It's a, actually for soccer as well. They're both 16 match regular seasons. Volleyball is going to start at the end of January and they'll run through the end of March. Double, double round robin format is the official term. Uh, most of these games are going to take place Sunday, Monday, or Friday, Saturday, so no, no day in between. Soccer a little bit different where it's going to start in mid-February, run till mid-April. It'll be Friday, Sunday games, so there's an extra day of rest. No offense to volleyball, which is a grueling sport. Soccer is just, that's so tough to play back-to-back days, so that's why you see a lot of Friday, Sunday matchups. Uh, and then for both of these, Yorba, you'd play your championship at the regular season champ from the season before in the Summit League, but that's not going to be the case this year. Volleyball is going to take place in Sioux Falls at the Sanford Pentagon. Soccer is going to take place down in Omaha. So some different things from your chair, Bill, when this schedule came together, you know, from a UND perspective, I'm assuming you felt, hey, this this is a good thing. And I'm assuming the coaches, Jeremiah Tiff and Chris Logan, feel the same way. Yeah, this is going to sound um, probably, in, in a sense, uh, something that you wouldn't be literally hearing from somebody that may be sitting in my chair or even coaches at this point. But I, I think we've gotten to a place where we're we just want to get to competition and we're trying to figure out what's the best way to do that. And so, you know, I think from the coaches to the administrators, I think everybody has almost taken, I'll call it competitive equity and put it on the shelf a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. And if there's a way to strike a balance on some things, for sure. I think the Summit League wanted to do that, but I think we also understood that we're just in unique, unique times where we're just trying to figure out how to play games. Yeah, women's volleyball will start their season at Omaha on February the 21st. Soccer will go to Tulsa to take on Oral Roberts on Friday the 12th, and those, of course, will be followed by another game against those two opponents later that weekend. One thing to note as well, championships are just a little bit different. Soccer, the format stays the same. Four teams make the tournament. One other unique thing, by the way, soccer, they've they've doubled the conference schedule. Normally, you would just play every team once. Now you're doubling that up. So we really are going to see the four best teams, no matter what, in the championship, which is what you want. It, it's going to make for a really fun, exciting soccer season. Volleyball, meanwhile, they've reduced the number to, to, from six to four. And that was a big conversation with some other leagues when the pandemic began and they were making schedules. Hey, we're going to reduce the number of teams that might make the conference tournament. I'm assuming, again, same rationale, trying to limit the amount of teams gathering in one place, reducing travel. That's why we're, we're shrinking it down a little bit and reducing those those buys for the, the one and two seed in the title game this year. I think so, Alex. I think that's that's it in a nutshell. And I think we all know that if we're lucky enough to get going and playing, there's going to be some bumps in the road as well. And so I think, again, I think part of all of this is reduce, uh, you know, some of the things that you have control over because the one thing we know we have no control over is the transmission of the virus. And so, um, you know, we're, 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 we're going to follow the protocols, uh, the testing and the getting of the results uh, aspect of it. But at the end of the day, I think that was the whole concept is if we can get rolling, you know, let's let's minimize this a little bit because this is unique. It's it's not it's not standard operating procedure as we uh, have known it. Let's say prior to us trying to play these sports. One more thought on the schedule, and this is more of a soccer issue because volleyball, you're of course playing inside. Much like football, you see the Summit League staggering home games to teams in the South early because. You know, soccer in Grand Forks in February. I mean, eh, it's not even. There would obviously be the case you could maybe move things indoors, but obviously 
the field, Bronson Field, is an outdoor facility on grass. That's why UND is going to play their first six games on the road and won't play a home game until March the 12th against North Dakota State. Is there talk, though? Obviously, softball runs into this all the time when you get to March and April and you're trying to play home games, and it doesn't always work out to do those games outdoors in Grand Forks. Is there a chance that some of those soccer matches might get moved indoors? And would the HPC be the site for that, Bill? This is a long ways off, but just curious if that's something that might happen. Yeah, so uh, HPC uh, would be very, very difficult given uh, you know the lack of markings uh, at, at this point. So we we mm-hmm. would we would potentially have a conversation with the Alara Center at some point in time. We're just not there yet. Um, I, I think we we needed to figure out uh, all the schedules first, and then honestly, we needed to overlay them and just say, okay, what does this look like right now? And um, you know, I, I'd say we'll we'll have those conversations at some stage. I just uh, I'm just not sure we're there yet. Um, obviously, we needed to get the football schedule as well because uh, obviously that's the primary home for the football team. And now we've got to try to see, you know, is there potential options uh, uh, even from a softball and or a soccer standpoint, you know, now that the new turf is down, uh, there are uh, soccer markings on the on the field at the Alaris Center. So it would be a possibility, Alex. We're just literally not there yet. In the conversations regarding volleyball, because you just mentioned facilities, you're obviously occupying the same space as basketball now, and now you're occupying the same season as well. Plus, hockey is obviously a big thing on the weekends in this part of the world. How much leeway was UND given, and Omaha, honestly, and Denver as well. I mean, there are multiple hockey schools, obviously, here too. How much of those conversations took place to sort of help fit this schedule to some of those schools that would have potentially hockey, basketball, volleyball, all on the same weekend? How much of, how much of that sort of played into the conversation? It did, actually. Um, I give a lot of credit to Commissioners Dupal and Fenton. Uh, they actually got together and, mm. uh, and, and really were, uh, you know, discussing some of the potential issues that uh, the hockey playing schools might have uh, in the summit uh, as far as either basketball or volleyballs. And so there was um, conversation and I give both of, uh, you know, those gentlemen and leaders uh, great credit for that. You know, I, I think we, we, we might be in a little bit better spot as far as having our own venues uh, for, you know, for the, uh, for the basketball volleyballs slash hockey uh, on the other side. But I think there's a concept, though, if there's a chance that you could have, let's just say the basketball double headers, which will be two double headers on a yeah. weekend. You know, if you could avoid a hockey weekend, that probably is a good thing. And then you've got the volleyball potentially playing, what, the Sunday, Monday. And so I think just from a staffing standpoint, the ability to actually just get the games off, right, with the necessary people that you need. Uh, I was really appreciative of, uh, of both the commissioners working together. So I think you saw that in, in, in kind of the overlay, and that's what I'll talk. You know, we, we've met internally as a group literally on a daily basis, and, and part of some of our conversations have been the overlay of of what that would look like. So we're in okay shape in that regard. I, I would say the thing that we're still, we won't know for a long while is, and I, get, I say that relatively speaking, is 
you know, what does potentially people through the front door look like? Uh, you know, how many? Is that a possibility? Um, you know, I, I just don't think we're uh, at that point where we can uh, even uh, come out with, uh, you know, uh, what may happen because we're sitting here, what, uh, mid-November. Uh, we won't know until another month to five to six weeks to see what that looks like. Yeah, I think UND's first home event, not till January. I think that opening weekends of the new year against Kansas City, I believe home basketball is sort of the first home event for UND that you could potentially have fans. So there's still a ways to see what happens with the virus, what recommendations there are from state and government officials. And we'll just kind of wait and see. It was interesting today, even just today as we're potting, Duke came out and said no fans allowed at Camden Indoor, at least through 2020. I think Weber State said the same thing. So some schools are starting to make those statements, at least for the rest of this calendar year. We haven't seen a lot for, for 2021 just yet. But yeah, something certainly to pay attention to is we get closer to those home dates, which are, yeah, still about six weeks away. Yeah, well, we're, you know, and it probably will go into, you know, non-conference basketball scheduling at this point. And, uh, you know, there's a chance that we might be able to have a home game uh potentially on the women's side, uh, end of November, early December. And I, at this point, we would have no fans at, at this stage mm. of the game. I think in our mind, it's really uh, January 1 on. It, it would be a possibility. The, the good thing, if we do have that home game, and as you can see, I'm in qualifying mode, right? <laughs> if we have this home game, uh, I hope to have this home game. It would really help us from an operational standpoint, because there's going to be a number of different protocols that we're going to have to take care of on a game day. Let's call it uh, on the court, right? Or uh, between the lines, whatever we want to say. And to not then have to, I guess, worry about the next level of having people come through your front door and then have to navigate that, uh, that would be incredibly helpful for us. But I, as we're potting right now, uh, Alex, Literally, we are having conversations about what non-conference basketball is going to look like, and we're about two weeks out. That that's kind of where we're at right now, and it's um, it's the most unique thing ever. And um, some would probably say probably not awesome. Uh, others would just say. Mm, it's kind of par for the course, so to speak. And so, you know, more to come on, on what our teams are going to do uh, non-conference wise, but we're literally dealing with it in real time as we're, as we're, you know, talking with our coaches and, and what it looks like. And we're just trying to figure out what's the best way to put our teams and our, our, our student athletes in the best possible chance to go travel, play a game and get back to Grand Forks. Mm. Just for reference sake, for folks that don't know, typically how far in advance do you have these games scheduled for non-conference basketball, for example? Yeah, so non-conference basketball, they, basketballs are always generally about a year in advance. You're discussing what's going to happen the following year. Now, 
when Coach Sather was hired, and, and again, I think I was maybe here for a, about a year at that point, so I kind of got my head around. I, I was able to go around the track once here at UND to kind of get an idea on how things were done right now, but I, I'll give uh, Kyle Doporalski a lot of credit and Jamie Stevens, our associate head coach on the men's basketball side, and, and Mal on the, on the, and, and Coach Motherwell. We're, we're really getting ahead of the game. Uh, to the point where we're trying to go in some instances, you know, a year, two years and three years out with that kind of a concept. Right. So if we're playing someone this year, maybe we can fit them in two years from now, which then gives us the chance to have some home games, throw everything out the window this year. Like when when the NCAA came out and said, hey, we're not going to start until Thanksgiving. What ended up happening was you had two weeks of games that were scheduled that basically were thrown in the trash bucket. And now you were scrambling and we're all scrambling to try to figure out what life should look like in a non-conference COVID world. And some of this stuff was done pre-COVID when testing and all these other things that you had to think about um, for your student athletes benefits, uh, you know, that was not even a, that wasn't even a conversation when some of these conferences, oh, excuse me, these contracts were signed. So, so anyways, we're like in real time with all of this right now. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that we can get something put together that makes sense for us and, and obviously makes sense for our student athletes, because honestly, the last thing you want is to be somewhere where potentially you have to quarantine there for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I go back to this our students still have to maintain what they're doing in the classroom. And regardless whether or not, you know, some of the stuff might be online, not all of it's online. So we're, we've got hybrid classes occurring right now where uh, some of our student athletes are going face to face. So not, so not everybody's in the same situation. That's what I'll say. So it's, it's been a, um, it's been a lot of moving targets, a lot of balls in the air. And we're literally literally zooming with our coaches on a daily basis to try to figure it out. A lot of pieces to fit into a difficult puzzle that keeps changing. The picture keeps changing on you as you try and put this together. So you want to be an athletic director, kids. Well, let me tell you, it's not all roses and champagne, is it? Lots of opportunity. You don't know what your Tuesday will be. You don't know what your Wednesday will be. Um, Sometimes you don't know what your Sunday is going to be. And so, uh, you know, again, we all sign up for it. It's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, great um, profession. You get a, a lot of opportunity to be around a lot of great people and, and, and really you get to be around our next generation, which is invigorating. But I will say that a, um, a pandemic once every hundred years, um, I, it would be nice to check this one off and uh, kind of move <laughs> in a different direction. Yeah, I think we all would agree. I think we're all in that same mindset right now. Let's just not have this happen again. Let's switch over from Summit League stuff to NCHC. Uh, this was, again, promising news that's been in the works for a long time. We talked about the pod concept on a couple different podcasts in recent weeks uh pod talking about the pod well this this time we now have a schedule to sort of discuss both for both for the pod in december and for the second half of the season pod wise you know it looks like i mean again the league doing the best they could to space the games out for teams for you and the, you know you're playing basically every other day 
There's a buy in there. You play back to back on Saturday, Sunday, the last two weeks of the pod. It's obviously a lot of games, 10 games in 19 days. But again, it just seems like they did the best they could to make all this work and try and you know, power through and get a legitimate conference season taken care of, at least half of it taken care of before we have to start flying across the country again come 2021. Kudos to Commissioner Fenton, uh, you know, and Michael Weissman for uh, putting together, you know, a lot of square pegs and round holes uh, because you had to really think through what each school's final schedule was. And so that's why you're seeing a game during like a Monday through Thursday uh, of the week that there's finals. And so there was consideration for that. And so you might look at it and just say, well, why are there, you know, a couple of games on the weekend when you could have really spread them out? Well, there was uh, initial consideration literally about how um, our, all of the, all of the students were going to finish up for the, uh, for the semester or, or, or quarter, or, you know, whatever Denver is, I think Denver's on the quarter system. So, so however that plays itself out. So uh, yeah, it was a puzzle, Alex. I mean, it's, it's a puzzle. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And so, you know, I, I think if you look deep into it, you can find, uh, uh, let's just say you can find what you want to find in it. Uh, you know, if you're saddened by certain things, you could be saddened. If you're excited in general terms about, you know, playing, playing, I, you know, I'm going to stay right in that box. I, I, you know, and I, and I think we, you know, we know that it, it wasn't going to be perfect for everybody, but, you know, again, I, not to go back to it, but what has been perfect through this uh, whole okay. thing that we've been dealing with. Yeah. You're looking for the best possible outcome in a situation like this. And I know from a Midco perspective, you know, we've been in talks with the NCHC about figuring out how to broadcast, you know, UND games from the bubble. So we've seen different iterations of the schedule. And I think we've seen three different ones that were labeled as final. <laughs> a new one would come out a couple of days later. And I talked a lot with Michael Weissman over the last couple of weeks and poor Mike, like has just said, Oh boy, we got another one. We have either some coach wasn't happy or there was a conflict they didn't notice. And it just, the work that those guys did to make this happen, it just, again, same thing with the summit, same thing with all of these conferences across the country as you're trying to figure this out. It's just so complicated. And I just give them a ton of credit, like you said, for being able to get something on paper and make the possibility of this season, you know, within touching, the, again, a lot of hurdles to go, but it's within reach. And there's at least something out there that you can tangibly look at and say, all right, December 2nd, Miami. Okay, December 4th. Denver, et cetera. It's just nice to be able to have those things on paper right now. Yeah. You, you know, the bar, the bar has, uh, you know, lowered tremendously for many of us where we just want to play games. And, you know, we just know that it was going to be challenging to, to get to, I'll call it a 50, 50, 50, 50, you know, equity across the board, if you will, you know, it just doesn't feel like it was going to be that, but I think you, you go in with the thought process, Hey, can we reduce the variables? Can you reduce travel to some degree? Can you get off to a good start? You know, those are kind of the principles you went in with is how do you get off to a good start? And, and, and we know it potentially can be, um, it bumpy along the way, but we felt like it was going to be potentially bumpier if we introduced commercial travel 
you know, quite a bit. So if you, if you see the schedule right now, it's really with a mindset to make sure that one, that, you know, the studies are being done uh, and finish up strong for all eight schools and two, to reduce commercial travel as best as possible, because that can be tricky for sure as we're going through. And then, you know, you hope to get off to a decent start, right? You try to get 10 games in for everybody so that you can hit January 1 with a chance to, to get this thing, uh, you know, finished out. When you look at the schedule, you know, you mentioned the travel reduction. UND will be playing Miami, Western, St. Cloud, and Duluth from the east, even though, even though Duluth and St. Cloud are some of their closest schools. But it's, again, trying to figure this out the best you can. It's a big conference, but they'll play each of those teams twice, along with Denver, a fellow Western school. So those will be the 10 games in the pod. And then when you switch it over to the second half, you're just playing three schools over the course of those two months. Denver, Denver four times. So home and home with Denver. UNO and Colorado College six times, CC with a pair of three-game weekends, and then UNO, you're, we're playing, I love that we go right back to Omaha, by the way, that's the first destination after you get done with the pod, let's just go back, we're familiar, let's just go right back down there over New Year's Eve, but they'll play six games against UNO on four different weekends, that was the one big piece, because that last weekend with the travel partner situation, everybody could sort of do that on the same weekend if they wanted to, but really tough to get from Grand Forks to Omaha, play a game and then flip it around and play another game in a day. That just, it seemed more, make the, right, I'm guessing that was the reason why that's been split up over two different weekends that last weekend. Well, it is. And then the the, uh, the one weekend, uh, the Ralph is hosting high school hockey as well. And so, oh, sure. so, so it just, you know, add in a few of the commitments that some of the venues have. And again, of course, that was okay pre-COVID scheduling. I mean, for sure. And so think about that. And then you've got other, you know, venues around the, the conference that have, you know, various commitments as well. So, yeah, it, it, I think, you know, Josh and Michael did yeoman's work for sure. Uh, the coaches were very uh, uh, integral in, in trying to get it with a really good mindset of, hey, how do, how do we play games? And it's unique. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, I think this gave us the best opportunity possible. And, you know, finally, I give the presidents a lot of uh, kudos for at least allowing us to at least go down this path, you know. But, you know, like everything else we've done, you know, I'm always hesitant that, you know, this is what we know today. And we literally don't know what tomorrow's going to bring through this until, you know, potentially there's a vaccine. And obviously we got good news yesterday in some way, shape or form. But, you know, I think it's not going to be until calendar year 21 until truly, uh, you know, a a widespread vaccine will be will be out. So, uh, you know, you hope knock on wood, uh, 21, 22 will kind of be back to, quote unquote, normal. But uh, we've just got to continue to battle through this. As we talk about hockey schedules, you mentioned basketball is still working on non-conference. I know NCHC schools have said, you know, basically there's no opportunity for non-conference before the pod. I think Josh Fenton was pretty clear in saying we just don't want to have any extra exposure. After the pod, when you get to the second half, there are some open weekends or the possibility for a non-conference game or two. What can you tell us about UND's pursuit of that, if there is any right now at this point? Yeah, we'll look into that for sure. Um there's no doubt about it. Uh, we're not there yet. I, I think, it, weirdly, you would think, you know, in a in a normal setting, obviously we would be years in advance, especially from hockey scheduling. And I, I think it, it it feels like 
all these leagues are going to try to get going in some way, shape, or form. And then if they're, if it's going well and there's an opportunity to plug a, 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 a weekend series in, I think that's a possibility. So nothing that's been signed at this point, Alex, but I think, you know, the hockey community is so darn small that, you know, there's, there's conversations going on that if, if things seem to be working okay, you know, is there a chance that we could potentially have another home series or, or be, you know, or, or, or games in, in general? For sure. For sure. We haven't closed that door yet, but I think it was safe to say we wanted to reduce as many variables heading to the pod as possible and then kind of figure it out afterward. And, you know, what? sometimes what we found out, too, is a lot of these decisions are made for you as well. A lot of times yeah. other leagues might decide that they're not going to play non-league games. Then it's moot at that point. So, um so yeah, I I think I'd say it's something that we're we're considering, but nothing for sure that has been signed officially. Yeah, good to know. Well, something to watch. Again, like everything, watch this space in the in the weeks and months to come, and hopefully we're in a position where that can even be entertained once we get to the second half. That things are going smooth, and that might be a possibility. Speaking of just normal normal things, normal things to talk about. UND ranked number one in both major college hockey polls, USCHO.com and USA Today. They were listed as the number two recruiting class by College Hockey News. I mean, good things there. I feel like the team's going to be pretty good. It's going to be a fun year. We just have to get them on the ice, though. <laughs> you know, you think back, and you know when you, i i think a lot of us to some degree are so in the weeds of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis that if you kind of zoom out a little bit it, you start thinking boy we we lost the winter championship season you lost the spring you lost the fall and you know you're just looking to try to figure out how to do this competition thing uh, so that we can get back going in some way, shape or form. And, you know, that's what we're looking for. You know, I I mean, hearkening back to last year and, uh, you know, that that team and kind of what they lost, uh, you know, they just didn't have the chance to kind of finish out the season. And a lot of guys coming back, you know, gave us a chance, I think, this year to be ranked where we are. And, you know, I, I think it's a combination effort of, of where we left off last year and where people kind of see, you know, what our roster looks like at this point. Well, it looks pretty good. I mean, that's that's what the consensus is. And uh, I would tend to agree with that. So hopefully, again, fingers crossed, things go smooth. We are going to get a little taste of college hockey this week. Big Ten starts play on Thursday. I did a little double take when I saw that. Wisconsin's playing Notre Dame. There'll be games this weekend. Long Island making their Division One men's hockey debut this weekend. It's, it's really crazy to think that this is happening, but it is. So that gives people hope a little bit to see those games begin. And again, hopefully things can go off without a hitch. One more hockey scheduling question for you, Bill. Not so much a question, but maybe just a conversation. This happened a little before our last pod, but we didn't touch on it then. UND selected to host a couple of more NCAA regionals in 23 and 25, in addition to this coming year in Fargo. And then uh, this is kind of fun, being the host school for the Frozen Four in Las Vegas in 2026. Obviously a long ways out for these, but awesome for the university to again be recognized as, hey, this school does it right. Let's have them run some of our championships coming up by the NCAA. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think between Jody and Eric Martinson and, and Kyle Doporalski, they do an awesome job uh, of hosting. They know how to do it. They know, they know what it takes. And so I think when you're 
you're you're uh, you know folks in Indianapolis putting on championships. They they know they know what uh, we what we bring to the table, and so uh, I think uh, having a couple more every other year in Fargo made sense. We put in for uh, the Ralph as well on the uh, on the odd years, and you know I, I, I you know I think all things being equal the 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 committee would prefer to be at a at a at a neutral site if you will or a, a site that that is not someone's home but you know we we just know the 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 venue that we have and how extraordinary it is and the, and it would be an awesome experience but we totally get it too i mean that that you're going to try to do what you can do to to play in a in a more neutral site for sure so um so we figured that was the way to go to some degree because it would have been kind of a cherry on top if we ended up getting those if that were the case, but we also worry about, I guess, regional hosting fatigue as well. So, right. you, so, so you kind of have a couple things happening. So that at least was the concept behind, you know, how we put in for some things. And then we were able to connect with uh, Las Vegas events and really actually through Tim McGarry. Um, and so uh, he's been, uh, you know, he's, he's dialed in with, with them and Dale, Dale Eels and, you know, in that group. And, you know, one, when the uh, NCAA, kind of unlocked Nevada as an opportunity, you knew Vegas was going to go pretty hard at events. And we just became one of, of many or several that are going to be in Vegas. And uh, we're excited about that. You know, I, the one, here's the one thing we know, Vegas knows how to put on events. I, I don't think we're going to be teaching them anything, but what they did, what they did need though, truly is, Almost in a in a way, and, and Eric Martinson says this well. Um, it's almost like in a consultant way. We 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 can bring the hockey side of it, the college hockey side, and that was something that was incredibly important uh, to them. And so uh, we're excited about that. I mean that that is that is kind of a neat deal. So uh, I know twenty six will be here before you know it. So it'll <laughs> it'll be fun. Oh man, my daughter will be like a second or third grader at that point and she's three right like that's hard for me to sort of get my head around exactly where we're at there that's wild 2026 i might be on a rocking chair i I hope yeah (laughs) oh man no 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 bill 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 come on on. i'll be recounting i'll be recounting all the things that occurred during the time You're in the summer of your life, Bill. What are you talking about? Stop it. Stop I'll it. Have, right I'll have a grand, grandson or daughter on my lap, and I'll tell them about <laughs> 2020. Oh, boy. Oh, the days. The days gone by. Oh, man. Well, well, congrats again to UND on those hosting duties. Pretty cool stuff. Bill, anything else? I mean, we talked a lot of schedule there, a little bit of hockey stuff. Anything else from an NCAA or UND perspective you want to touch on here on the A side? No, I think, you know, we're mid-November right now, Alex. I think uh, there's some things that potentially will be occurring at the January uh, NCAA convention that we can discuss at some stage of the game, whether it becomes NIL or, again, transfers. We've talked about that before, not for this pod, but I think maybe we go into it a little bit, maybe sometime you know, prior to the convention or certainly post-convention. But uh, but we'll see what happens. And again, that's in a virtual setting this year. And so uh, so we'll see what transpires there. Mm, January. Love it when those guys get together, chat it up. It's going to be good. A lot of big, a lot of big things on the docket. So watch for that here in the coming months. 
With that said, let's flip over to the B side. And let's this is a it. very a very positive B side. I don't want to say this is like the height of your fandom, but everything's really going pretty well right now. We're going to kind of touch through. Steelers 8 and 0, Spurs in second place, flying high. Alex Cora back with the Red Sox. We're going to take these one at a time. We were talking pre-pod about Pittsburgh, and you're still not 100% sold on the Steelers. It was kind of a shaky performance against a pretty bad Dallas team, but you're still 8-0, best start in franchise history. Make the case, Bill. I thought that uh, I thought Colin Coward put it pretty well yesterday. I listened to his abbreviated pod, it just is open, and he said something about the Steelers that they're just a good TV show. And, you know, he's not wrong. There's a, there seems to be, when you want to watch them and Tottenham, they're both just good TV shows. They, they just, there's a lot going on there. And uh, I, I started Sunday at 6 a.m. And it took to about the 88th minute to figure out how to beat a team that was, I don't know, maybe a 19th place in the Premier League. So uh, <laughs> that didn't feel awesome. But oh, three points is three points. So you 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 know what? You just go with it. And so that was good. And then I kind of ended the day, same sort of deal. It took to the end. Uh, felt like the let's call it the 89th minute in in soccer parlance to kind of figure out how to uh, how to break up a pass in the end zone. And uh, not quite sure we did an awesome job uh, finishing that game out. But uh, when you score more points than the other team that's really all that matters right that's all that is all that matters scoreboard bill that's all that matters in the end you mentioned the spurs game we're going to get to that because that game against west brom not good television not a not a good tv show but for for pittsburgh you're halfway there to 16 and 0 to become only the third team to do that as you look at the schedule Bengals this week winnable very winnable at jags very winnable Ravens on Thanksgiving. What a great Thanksgiving night game. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. That's going to be a lot of fun. Then the Washington football team, obviously very winnable. At the Bills, tough game. At the Bengals, Colts, and Browns. One wrench that has maybe been thrown into all this is your quarterback is now on the COVID reserve list. And that's not what you want to see on a Tuesday morning. Vance McDonald, I guess, tested positive on Monday. He was with the team in Dallas, played in the game. Now Ben and three other players are in that COVID protocol quarantine gray zone. That's the thing that can sort of pull the plug. I mean, injuries always, but this, of course, can pop up too and really affect your performance as a football franchise player. Well, one of my degrees um, is from Oklahoma State, and um, I got to say I'm not a big Mason Rudolph fan. So uh, if, <laughs> if, if we're having him in controls of the cockpit um, – Ode to our aviation group here on campus. Um, I don't feel awesome. <laughs> All of a sudden, these games become Bengals at home suddenly does not feel winnable when it's Mason or Duck Hodges back there. That's that's the one thing you'd have to watch out for. Yeah, but assuming right now, I think as of potting, Ben doesn't have COVID. He's just in that reserve list. And if he clears and gets negative tests back, he could be cleared by Saturday and be good to go on Sunday. But same thing happened with Matthew Stafford this past week with the Lions, where he was in COVID reserve up until Saturday night, I think. He got his like fifth negative test result back, and then he was good to play on Sunday. He obviously was awful on Sunday and got knocked out of the game, and they got killed by the Vikings. So 
you know, but that's the Lions. That's a different thing, though. That's a totally different thing. Not going to not going to happen to Pittsburgh. <laughs> it may not be the worst. Uh, and again, I, I, I'll i say this is who knows? They're at home against Cincinnati. Maybe they could still figure out how to win the game without Ben. But given the fact that he got hit pretty good from a knee standpoint, it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be the worst if he t- had a week off, to tell you the truth. Now, having said that, if and we talked pre-pod as well. If the NFL does not change their uh, playoff schedule, you do want to be the one seed because yeah. you do want to get the bye. I mean, yes, you want home field and all that. But again, as we've talked before, better to have uh, a bye, right? Can't can't lose the game and can't lose any potential players. And so at that time of year, and so that's a – critical piece of the puzzle but you know that doesn't surprise me at all i mean it's a uh, this is where we're at and so they'll you know it's their turn so to speak so we'll see what see what ends up happening pittsburgh the only undefeated team left of course kansas city eight and one everybody else has two losses in the afc so you you've got in a normal year in a pre-2020 year when you had two teams get a bye you'd be feeling pretty good to be one of those two teams this year though obviously it's a little bit different the chiefs by the way a little harder schedule maybe down the rest of the way so you know but again eight no looking good spurs meanwhile you lost at antwerp bill about two two weeks ago Mighty Antwerp over in Belgium. And since then, that was a Europa League game, by the way. That was like the the low of the most recent Jose Lowe's. But then you've reeled off three straight wins. You're at 17 points. You're tied with Liverpool in terms of points, but you're ahead of them on goal differential for second place. Not a great game against a really, really bad West Brom team. But three points or three points. Feeling pretty good, I'm guessing, about the project right now over at White Hart Lane? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next, uh, we'll call them six fixtures, right? We've got Man City, mm. Chelsea, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, and Leicester. And then the Wolves. So Unboxing day. Yes. we're going to learn a lot between now and Christmas. So about what's happening and then throw in some Europe football as well. And yeah, I think they'll, they'll make it out of that group for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's an issue. I think they, they did fall asleep a little bit um, in Antwerp. I don't know what they were doing, but eh. I, I mean, if you were going to lose one, that was probably the one to lose. You're not worried about Lodogorets. You're not worried about Lask in the, in the Europa League. If they don't make it out of that group, something's something good has gone terribly wrong. But like you said, it will get much tougher. I'm not saying that Spurs have had a cushy start to the season, but scheduling wise, the the fixture computer was a little bit was a little bit kind, and now things are going to get much more difficult. I had, I did the same thing you did. I wrote down those next six games because it is a really tough stretch between now and Christmas. But if if you can perform well. You're going to take down a lot of the teams that are chasing you. And that that's a great way, obviously, to cement your place as a top four side or a title contender when you can beat the other teams in the hunt. And they'll get that opportunity here in the next six weeks. And, and truly, Alex, uh, with the Spurs, I, I almost sometimes feel worse when they're playing uh, a lower end table uh, team. I, I, for some reason, I, I think they're going to they have a way to get amped up for certain matches. And so I think uh, their depth this year is actually pretty good. So 
you know, I just, I, it, it, it all comes down to matchups like every sport and, uh, you know, in some way, shape or form, uh, I think they're going to be just fine. I think they have enough up front too to, to give teams fits. And I think depending when you play a Burnley and you play a West Brom, they're going to play a certain way so that they don't allow you to kind of go forward a little bit. Whereas Man U, when they played Man U, they were able to go forward and they put they put goals away. Yeah. Ten, ten then, Man U. But still, 6-1, resounding. It was 10-10, ten, ten, uh, but it, it had a feel that we had them that day. Had a had a had a fe- had a feeling, but I don't know. Be interesting. I, it seems like a lot of these teams are. You know, Liverpool had such a heck of a twenty-four month run that they're finally, in a sense, getting. You know, it's difficult, right, to keep that that pace. Man City's been interesting, and and like an Arsenal, I, like I can't figure them out either. Yeah, lost three nothing to Aston Villa the other day. Yeah, there's. There's some weird results in the league this year, and that's to be expected. Very little time between last season and this season. A lot of teams, even the best teams, are really ravaged by injury. Liverpool being sort of chief amongst that. We lost Trent Alexander-Arnold this weekend in that draw against Man City, so calf injury. Not sure how long he's going to be out, but limped off in the 60th minute or so. I mean, there's just there's been a lot of talk this week that they need to look at the fixture list because... We just we talked about earlier about you know UND soccer. Gosh, you can't. It's tough playing back to back. These guys have played so many minutes, even with squad rotation. Even the biggest squads are having a tough time dealing with this with European fixtures and cup fixtures. And it's just uh, it, it feels like this could be such a wonky year because the best teams are so beat up, and some of the smaller teams that have less. You know, you're not playing in Europe if you're Leicester. You're not. You're, you have less responsibility outside of England. And you could have a, a – Southampton was top of the table the other day for 24 hours. Like you you don't know what's going to happen, and it could set up for a team like Spurs, for example. Anybody, anybody could win the title this year because I think City, Liverpool, they've fallen back to the pack a bit because of this. Yeah, the one thing that, that I have to give uh, Daniel Levy um, and, uh, and, and Mourinho credit is their squad is too deep for the most part right now. You, you might – consider are they world-class in certainness I, I don't know they're good enough to beat teams in europe though and so now they've got to take time off the odometer to some degree because there's nothing worse the one thing that that is and, and again when you have a, a team that's you know pretty good you're going to have a lot of these guys go play internationally too so so at the end of the day that's not great so it, there's just a lot of wear and tear on this odometer right now we have reached an international break, and usually international breaks mean two games, but they're going to shoehorn in a third game over the next week and a half or so just to try and get these games in to make up for lost time with European qualifying and everything else. It's just, again, it's just a lot of matches, a lot of travel. The product is going to suffer a little bit, and that's this. It always goes back to it. Like, have we, you don't want to be the person that kills the goose that lays the golden egg because you're just making them crank out so many eggs and it feels like that's especially i feel that way with how they've expanded the world cup field to 48 teams i feel that way about how they've expanded the euro field as well like more isn't always better and that seems the greed is just kicked in a little bit too much here and it's just taken away from what 
what we like about this game. It's too bad. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I, I do worry about that. And, you know, so there's going to be times where, you know, you're playing someone and, and they're going to literally have to make sure that they manage, you know, whomever's out on the field. And, you know, there's going to be for, for at least the Spurs, right? I mean, it's amazing that they're saying that uh, given the trajectory of where he's at right now, Harry Kane could be the all-time leading scorer in the premier uh, goal scorer in the premier league eventually. Right. I mean, that's, that's the pace he's on. So at the end of the day, you know, the days he's not playing, you probably are like, boy, it'd be great to have him on there. But I think there's a bigger picture here and uh, they've got to kind of go down that path a, a little bit and, uh, and, and kind of manage all of these players. But I, it's a strange year that, that one, that table right now, I'll tell you what, I, I couldn't tell you who's going to end up where, uh, but you're right. That Villa game, uh, that was just odd. And they, they took it to Arsenal. Well, this is the same Aston Villa team that beat Liverpool 7-2, but then turned around and lost. And I think they lost their previous two games, 3-0 and 3-0 to bad teams. Like you just, any given week, Man City's in 10th place right now. Arsenal's in 11th. I mean, this is just not, not normal for this point in the season to have some of the really strong teams struggling like this. But makes it interesting. Anytime you turn on your television or Peacock, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Speaking of greed, but we're not going to talk. We're not going to. We're not going to go there. That's another story. That's another story. NBC. I have to have two different streaming systems to watch them at this point, right? One in Europe, the CBS platform, and then you need Peacock, and then you need the uh, the other the other one as well. So, but that's a free streaming system uh, as long as you have cable. But so 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 it's there's a lot of pieces to this, and I do have Midco cable. You'd be happy to to know that. Pay my Midco bill every every week uh, or every every month. And so, uh, <laughs> shout, shout out shout out to uh, sponsor of this pod, Midco. And so uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I um, you know, I worry I worry about the 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 amount of uh, mileage that are being put on these guys because boy, the, it is you know you, you know you can look you can watch a Premier League game and if you haven't watched one, the, the very first thing that can stick out to you is I don't know let let's call it some physical play that might you may not believe that someone's rolling on the ground and you might have a little bit of an eye roll or whatever, but if you watch enough of this stuff. It is darn physical. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I do worry about it. And they're like thoroughbreds, right? And at the end of the day, a little tweak here, a little tweak there, and you they could be out for literally six weeks just like that. It's like a, star, it's like a starting pitcher right now. Starting pitcher goes out, they're done for six weeks. Got to keep that arm protected. Alex Cora. You, are you in the Alex Gore camp? I'm excited that he's back. I, like Regardless of all the stuff that happens, I just think that He's a good manager. And the fact that he and A.J. Hinch are both back in baseball, like the second that they could be, I think just shows that, you know, obviously Detroit and Boston are forgiving places. And they felt like they both had paid their their penance and had done their time. And I'm, I'm glad he's back, obviously. If you look at the numbers, again, Cora takes over in 2018. They win 108 games. They win a World Series. They obviously took a little step back in 2019. They still finished third in the division, but they were, you know, whatever, six games above 500, if fine. And then, of course, you know, Cora gets suspended for a year. They fire him. They go 400. They play 400, which is great if you're a hitter, not great as a team record. They were the fourth worst team in baseball. Just for fun, can you name the three teams that were worse than Boston this last year, Bill? Just out of, just out of curiosity. In honor of Alex Trebek, these oh. three teams. 
were yeah. worse than the Boston Red Sox Wait, this past season? Uh, good, good question. Um, I think I didn't follow baseball so much. So at the end of the day, <laughs> I don't think I could answer that question. Yeah, I couldn't either. And I, I, I would have been surprised if you could, too. They're normal, usual suspects. But the Tigers, the Pirates, and the Rangers, the only three teams worse than the Red Sox. But the mm. fact that Boston is in the mix with Pittsburgh and Detroit and Texas, that sort of tells you. And the fact that they finished worse than the Orioles. That's where they were this last year. So perhaps getting back Alex Cora, the fact that he's back might not solve everything. It might not solve much unless they fix their rotation and get some guys back healthy. But it seems to be at least a step in the right direction to getting back to relevance in Major League Baseball. So my 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 opinion about Alex Cora to some degree is I think he's a great manager, no doubt about it. And obviously he's got an awesome rapport and relationship with players. He's a great communicator, all of that. Um, I do think that baseball, and I, this is just my opinion. I just think there's more to that story that that occurred that probably to some degree um, baseball is trying to figure out from a technology standpoint that they need to, to get to the next, I, I'll call it iteration of how you use technology. And I, I, I just think there, there's more to it. I, I, I can't imagine that Houston um, was the only team doing certain things. Now, maybe they've done it at a certain level, that could be one thing, but I do think there's probably more to some stories. And I, I think that's maybe where we're at. And I, I do believe Alex will have a conversation about it. And then you move on, I think to some level. And, you know, I think the Red Sox must've looked into it. And, I, and even when they departed ways, it almost seemed as if it was going to be maybe worse than what came down in some way, shape or form. And so, I don't know, we probably just don't know the whole story and that's, you know, and I probably can appreciate that a little bit given the chair that I'm in at the, at times there's, there's things that maybe come out and I will say this, I might be one of the few people that know uh, all the facts, if you will, or the, or the facts that I believe to be at that point in time. Um, and I think in this case scenario it could be the same thing as well. I think you're probably right. I think there's a sense of Major League Baseball just wanting to move on from this as quickly as possible and not wanting this to be that. I think that's why you didn't see teams get punished or titles get vacated. Like We just didn't want this to be a stain on the game. And it seems like that the league is moving on. Obviously, teams are starting to move on from this. You know, Players didn't get punished, of course. Part of that was because they were granted immunity for sort of telling the league what had happened. But like you said, the game has evolved from where it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, or especially when like the quote unquote unwritten rules were established that, you know, people in baseball cheat. Like that's kind of part of it. You're trying to find any particular edge and figuring out what edge is okay and what edge isn't. Obviously this feels when you're using buzzers and that seems eh, over the line. It seems dirty. It doesn't seem like, you know, the normal, like, hey, I'm trying to, I'm going to flick my ear if I'm on second base so the guy knows that a curveball's coming. It's a little bit more nefarious, but again, it's figuring out where those lines are. As a Patriots fan, <laughs> I have appreciation sometimes for people trying to push the limit and trying to get as close to the edge and find loopholes and all those things. This, of course, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. This is an unfair advantage that you're using technology as someone's at the plate to figure out what pitch is coming. But 
Hopefully those rules can be put in place. People can know what it is. It doesn't happen again, and we can move forward. It's an interesting competitive line, isn't it? It, it just it's an interesting conversation in a lot of ways. I, you know, ended up, uh, and I think we alluded to this the last time we potted. There was a pretty good uh, documentary on on Leeds United and how they made it up, and uh, and their manager, uh, I, I think, had someone sit outside what somebody's uh, practice, and. I don't think that was necessarily, I'll call it illegal to be there. Now, you might be pushing kind of an ethical envelope that maybe it's the unwritten, you don't do this. But it's, I think it's, when you're dealing with technology, I I think part of the onus is on the enterprise, whether it be intercollegiate athletics, whether it be Major League Baseball, is to take that technology and use it in a way that can't, in a sense, be used against you. And, and I guess I, I go back to, I, I, and I could be wrong with this, but I think it's, it's accurate. I do believe that you could put a little piece in your ear. I do believe that. And I do believe you could put a glove above your face and, and the pitcher could be the one calling the pitches to the catcher. I, I think that's a possibility. I, I could be wrong with that. And that didn't, that doesn't seem like something that's so out of the realm to do. And that would have eliminated all of this stuff. And again, not being in those meetings, it just seems interesting to me that, that the, the embracing of, of that sort of thought process would make sense. Now, maybe there's a reason why. I, I, I have no idea. But it would seem like with the pitcher literally and has the ability to mask himself with the glove, it would be a perfect way of going down that path. And honestly, too, it would save a lot of time with mound meetings. The catcher could just like take two steps back and have a conversation <laughs> in between at bats. I don't know. Let's speed it. Let's speed the thing up a little bit. I think a lot of that stuff is just has to be rethought in a way. So all the way Mm -hmm. back to should Alex Cora be able to manage again? I I sure think so. I I mean, and I think I, I, you know, did he pay the price and did he pay enough? I guess everyone's going to debate that, but I, I would say from a Red Sox standpoint, I was excited that he was back and it was just a, just a weird year. You know, I mean, they, they made a decision to, to trade their franchise player, which is never a great idea. Ultimately, never a great idea. They did get a few um, pieces back, but certainly stop, stop ne- it. Stop. But you're stop. never going to get value. You're never going to get value. <laughs> no. But, you know, they, they're just, you're just not. And so they had to make a choice at some point in time whether or not they were going to pay Bryce Harper money to him. And they chose not to. That's it. Now, I don't know whether he would have taken that. I, the answer is probably yes if they had overwhelmed him. If, if he became the highest paid player in baseball, my guess is he'd probably still be in Boston. Would be my guess. But I, I don't think they wanted to go down that path. I, I think they didn't want to, you know, back in the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten years and and have that be an anchor to them after they just came off a World Series, you know, a, a, a year before. And now they're the fourth worst team in baseball. So well, there we, you get go. The, we get the fourth <laughs> pick in the draft. I mean, look Choices. at it that way. I'm on to the next thing. I'm on to this getting is- the fourth pick in the draft, which is the highest. We've had since I believe I read Mike Garman back in like 19, whatever it was, 68, 69. And so uh, Mike Garman, I have his, I have a baseball card. Mm. I have his 1972 baseball card. So at the end of the day, um, I hope we do better 
than Mike Garman on this one. <laughs> I do hope so, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is sitting out there for us, Bill. I'm not sure if it's quite the same hit ratio when you have a top five pick in the MLB draft versus the NHL or NBA or NFL. But again, hopefully, like I said, farm system's bleak. Good chance to maybe get some top quality guys in there. We'll see. Homework assignment for us. So whenever we pod next and we flip to the B side, we both will have looked at, let's just say, the last 20 years of top five picks in Major League Baseball. Love it. And that, that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that because I, I have a sneaky suspicion that having a top five pick is probably pretty good. I will say there are usually – there are some blue chippers and you'll see that over the course of time that, you know, there Ken Griffey was the number one overall pick. Chipper Jones. Like there are Hall of Famers that have been picked there. Joe Maurer, it feels like though for every every year or so you've got one of those, there are like three or four years afterwards where the can't miss guy – just is not any good. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to see. We'll, we'll, we'll do the research. I'm right, curious. So we'll good, do the research. And, 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 and here, how about this? It'll be binary. Yes or no. I mean, it's either panned <laughs> out, yes or no. And, and, sure. and again, you can describe on your own mind whether a yes or a no. And then we will figure out like what the percentage is because at the, at, because here's what's going to happen. I bet you there's a chance that having the fourth pick could be as valuable as the first pick. Potentially. Potentially. We'll do the research. We'll do it for you, listeners. And when we, when we reconvene, you'll have this wealth of knowledge about Major League Baseball and the draft. It's going to be great. The pod has never had homework before. This is a first. This is a first. Never know what's going to happen <laughs> when we get deep into the B-side. Oh, man. It's going to be fun. Can't wait until our next episode of the Bill Chaves Pod, which will be coming in the weeks ahead. So good stuff, Bill. Always good chatting with you. Take care and stay healthy over there, all right? Thanks, Alex. He's Bill Shaves, University of North Dakota Athletics Director. Our producer is Cassie Niles. I am Alex Heinert of Midco Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.